Hi there, and welcome back to Out There, a cryptid podcast. I'm your host, Josh. Each week, I come out with a new episode focused on a cryptid that I find super fascinating and weird. If you don't know what a cryptid is, it is defined as an animal that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. Cryptids don't have to be a supernatural or mythical beings, although many of them are. Some cryptids have actually become documented animals. Make sure you can go and follow the podcast on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, and check out the posts I make for each episode and maybe send some suggestions you'd like to hear. This week, we are talking about a cryptid that many of you may remember hearing about in the news. It's the strange body that washed up along the shore near the business district of Montauk, New York. The identity of the creature is still unsolved to this day, but there are many theories. In this episode, we are going to talk about the most popular ones. Since we are doing all the theories in the episode, this will be a solo one. I know you're probably tired of hearing me talk, but I'll try to be funny, maybe? <laughs> okay. Let's dive in. July 23rd, 2008. An article appeared in a newspaper called The Independent. A resident of Montauk named Jenna Hewitt and three friends said that they found something on July 12th at the Ditch Plains Beach. The beach is a popular surfing spot and owned by the town of East Hampton. Hewitt says, We were looking for a place to sit when we saw some people huddled around looking at something. We didn't know what it was. Her friend, Rachel, had her camera with her, so she took pictures. Apparently, it was the size of a small dog. It was hairless, but had patches of hair and then a long tail. But the strangest part was that it had what looked like a beak. The friends joked that it looked like a pterodactyl beak. The hands of this creature were strange, too. They really looked like long fingers. The other interesting thing is that it had a tether around its arm almost like a tag. Now, you really have to go look at the pictures on our Instagram, at Out There Cryptids, because it is very interesting to say the least. But in a local newspaper about two weeks later, and originally it was something locals and others kind of made fun of, laughing about this, what some called disgusting thing. Soon after, it hit the national media outlets, and that is when the case really began. The piece of information that you need to know is that just as fast as it hit the media, the body went missing. I mean, gone. As if it were never there. No one knows who really took the body, although there are speculations and stories. But it just walked away on its own, maybe. Either way, there's no body. This means that there were no tests that could have been done to identify what this creature is or was. One article said, the locals who spoke to the media in the weeks following this discovery had vague and varied explanations for how and where the carcass disappeared, but shared a unified message. Don't bother looking. You won't find it. This is where all the theories began, and let me tell you, even if this is a misidentification, it's weird. I, I say that because the way everyone handled answering questions and such just seems sketchy, but You'll understand more, I promise. There are many different theories on what this could be, but there are four pretty prominent ones that I want to focus on. We'll call them Case A, B, C, and D. Case A. It is a cryptid. So, shortly after this hit the media, our good friend and cryptid god, Lauren Coleman, said he started getting messages from friends and colleagues about the curious carcass after it made the local news on July 23rd of 2008. He went on to say that he was super skeptical, mainly because apparently July 12th is his birthday, and he said, I wondered 
if they were trying to hoax me, but alas, they were not. There really was something strange that washed up on the beach. When Coleman realized this, he said that he immediately jumped on the carcass. But when he started investigating, he said he hit a bunch of walls, especially while trying to talk to the witnesses in local media stations. It was like someone had silenced them, or maybe they really just didn't want to talk. But Coleman was the person to name this carcass, the Montauk Monster. Originally, the media named it the Hound of Bonacville, but that one just doesn't roll off the tongue. The thing to know is that Coleman did come up with a conclusion. He said that he is certain that the Montauk monster was a decomposing raccoon. Coleman said, all you had to do was look at it and know a little bit about zoology, which I do, and you would see that it was barely second day disintegration and decaying of a raccoon's body. He said that the reason the body looks so strange is because it went through something called skin flipping. Skin flipping is when a body has been tossed around in the surf. Now, this would account for why the body was hairless and the skin was discolored. Coleman also said that this could also be the reason it looks like this creature has a beak. The rough surf could have made the animal's facial structure appear distorted. Although this is one theory, a lot of other cryptozoologists disagree. The Montauk monster was featured on an episode of Ancient Aliens. Famous cryptozoologist Dr. Franklin Raoul said it looked like a hybrid creature that had the claws of a raccoon and possibly the beak of a bird and the body, perhaps, of a dog. Possibly a genetically modified animal. That theory will come up later, so don't worry. <laughs> now, ancient astronaut theorists which basically means alien experts, believed this was something else. Some believed it could be a part of a long line of genetically modified creatures that have appeared throughout human history. The way they support this theory is with examples of hybrids in history, like Anubis from ancient Egypt, who in hieroglyphics is seen with the body of a man and the head of a dog. Same idea with ancient Greek artifacts that depict hybrids like Hydra, which was shown as a large snake-like monster that had not just one, but nine heads attached to one body. Now, these are just two examples, and there are many, many more. So, is it possible that the ability to mutate animals or merge some together has occurred for centuries? Some say they were just made-up creatures written about in stories to enhance them, but others believe that another cryptid was involved. Ancient alien theorists believe that some intelligent beings had the ability or technology to create hybrids, and that is what we see in ancient civilizations. I mean, you have to admit, there are a ton of references to hybrids all throughout ancient Egypt, Rome, Greece, and many other civilizations. Arguably the most famous ancient alien expert, Giorgio Tsikolas, the guy in the ancient alien memes, said this, Our ancestors weren't stupid. They depicted what they saw. And I think that's actually a really good way to explain this idea. I could go on and on about hybrids in history and even cryptozoology, but I'll leave you with this question. What if this was a new cryptid that hasn't been documented yet? Case B. It is just a misidentification. Some people have theorized that maybe it was a pit bull mercilessly defeated in a dogfight and then disposed of in the ocean, or what if it was a turtle without its shell? On the Instagram post, I put both the skeleton of a pit bull and of a turtle. To start with, the pit bull. 
The hands on this creature look nothing like paws of a dog. They are closer to a raccoon's hand of the animal kingdom. But more importantly, Pipple's skulls are very different, mainly because they don't have a beak. I, I think we can rule out this one immediately, but it is worth pondering. The next one was a turtle without a shell. Now, I looked up pictures of turtles with broken shells, and it's really sad to see, so I did not include that in the post. But number one, turtles don't just lose their shells. They aren't like hermit crabs, where they have the ability to like move in and out of other shells. The shells are attached to them. They are there to protect their organs. So when a shell is broken, it makes all of the organs very vulnerable. That being said, this could not be a turtle without a shell, because... That is simply not what it would look like, but we are closer with the beak. Other strange carcasses were found and published all over the media in the years after the Montauk monster was discovered. I was able to find at least five, and they ranged in location from Canada to Brooklyn, New York, and even Texas, but none of the carcasses had the beak, and most of them were proven to be other animals, like rats and pigs to be specific. Now, a man named William Wise who was the director of Stony Brook University's Living Marine Resources Institute, inspected the photo with another colleague. They said that the creature was a fake, a hoax for attention. Why said that his second guess, though, would be a diseased dog or coyote, which had been in the sea for a while. But along with this, Wise discounted other possibilities. He said it couldn't be a raccoon because the legs appeared to be too long in proportion of the body. It couldn't be a sea turtle because sea turtles do not have fur or teeth. Next was a rodent, but they have two large distinctive incisor teeth in front of their mouths, unlike the carcass. The dog or other canine, such as a coyote theory, was also shot down because the corpse is dog-like, but the eye ridge and feet do not match. And lastly, he ruled out a sheep or other ovine. He said, although the face looks somewhat ovine, sheep do not have sharp teeth. Okay, so he basically just ruled out every known animal species that this could have possibly been. I'm not sure why he rules out canine if that's what he thinks, but it might just be easier to say that than claiming it's an unknown animal, like a cryptid. A paleontologist named Darren Naish studied the photograph and made his own conclusion. He said that from the corpse's visible dentation, skull shape, and front paws that the creature was a raccoon. He explained that its odd appearance was a byproduct of decomposition and water action removing most of the animal's hair and some of its flesh. He also disagreed with Wise's idea that the legs were not proportionally accurate for a raccoon. He even provided an illustration of a raccoon's body superimposed over the corpse in the photograph. That is also in the Instagram. I'll share my personal opinion at the end of the episode. Maybe it is just a misidentified animal. Case C, a Viking burial. Real quick, a Viking funeral is where the body is set usually on a boat, which is then set on fire and sent out to sea. But this theory has a whole storyline to go with it. Apparently, in June of 2009, this anonymous person and some friends had stumbled across a dead raccoon. They were on Shell Beach or Shelter Island's southwest side. According to this report, they put the body on a float and put some sticks and trash on it, and then lit that on fire. There is an alleged picture, which is also in the post. 
So, in an article posted on Gawker.com, written by John Cook, he explains the logistics that would have been in play for this to be true. So, Cook says that there are three different ways that the carcass could have made it from its starting point to the beach where it was found. In the map he made, which is, as you guessed, in the post, shows the three ways. The red one is the most likely of the paths due to the fact it doesn't really have to make U-turns or anything like that. It's the most direct path. But then there are two other options. The green line where it could have been on the direct course and then had to go around Plum Island. But then there's the yellow course. In that one, it would have had to have basically gone the longest way possible. But anyway, this was all dependent on current, because things don't just move in the water by themselves. And he provided an image that shows the currents in that area, and they actually do support the theory. The currents would suggest that it could have started on either the yellow or red track, but it definitely would have gone around Plum Island on the yellow track, and then to the shore where it was found. The other factor is the winds. Cook asked Jay Tansky, who was a specialist with New York Sea Grant, an NOAA-affiliated research organization that monitors the Long Island coast. And Tansky said, yes, it could have happened, but whether or not it would be normal or had a high probability, I'd be hesitant to say. It probably would have washed up somewhere else first. So you may be saying, case closed, but it has to be noted that there was no floaty or other debris reported around the body. Plus, Tansky said it would have washed up somewhere else first, meaning someone or something pushed it back into the water. That doesn't really make sense to me, but there is a possibility it could have just been a Viking funeral for a lucky raccoon. Case D. Our last theory we will be talking about. This one is a little out there. See what I did there? But nonetheless... Still very interesting. On Plum Island, there is a highly secretive animal research facility. It's called the Plum Island Animal Disease Center, and there have been plenty of rumors swirling around that it is creating or harboring strange animals just like this Montauk monster. Some believe that the monster was an escaped experiment from nearby Plum Island. The Animal Disease Center is a federal facility and the nation's most important lab for combating infectious animal diseases. Plum Island is one and a half miles off of Long Island. Access to the facility is highly restrictive. Uh, a 1971 New York Times article described the facility as Devil's Island for the deadliest animal disease germs known to man. They mainly focus on farm animals, but rumors of government experimentation with hybrid animals have been circulating for many years. But the rumors don't just end there. There are others like Cold War biological weapons and even the facility creating and starting the outbreak of Lyme disease. Of course, there are no actual records of any of this, but there definitely wouldn't be if the government was hiding it. There was another strange occurrence that has been linked to this facility. I won't go into much detail because because it's not about a cryptid, but apparently the body of an unidentified man with very long fingers and recent scars from apparent brain surgery washed up on the shore in 2010. This unleashed the rumors that the lab scientists were now experimenting on humans. There are even claims that a top Nazi virologist helped the U.S. 
The Army developed biological weapons after World War II, before the Department of Agriculture took over their original lab in the 1950s. But again, they are just rumors. One thing that is known is the facility will be closed within the next decade because it is being moved to Kansas. A man named Nick Layton, who was working for Plum TV, a Hamptons-based cable station that no longer exists, has been to the facility. Lighton said he went about two years later, unrelated to the monster, after deciding to film an episode of a show he was producing at the time on Plum Island. He explained how he had to go through a government approval process to bring a crew to the Animal Disease Center, even though they were only given access to the lab with the lowest level of security. One of the interesting things he noticed was a pregnant crew member opted out of the trip on doctor's orders. Lighton also said they were able to bring in food and drink to the island, but that nothing could leave with them, not even an unopened bottle of water. So something in that facility must stay there and cannot leave. That being said, Lighton said he believed 100% that the Montauk monster wasn't from Plum Island. He said, the security is such that I feel comfortable eliminating that theory. It seems inconceivable that they would let their mutants escape. A very interesting take on this theory, but what I find odd is no one talked about the ring that looked like a possible tag on the monster's arm. Maybe it did somehow escape the facility, but didn't survive the ocean that surrounded the island. So, those are the theories. The thing we do know is that it's still a mystery to this day. Today's Weird Club inductee is me, and I made the Weird Club, so I can't be inducted. But here I am, and I'm going to go through each of these and tell you what I think about each case and um, kind of hopefully figure out maybe what this thing is. Alright, so let's start with case A. It's a cryptid. Well, I think we should just kind of skip over Coleman's analysis of it. Not in the sense of forget about it, but in the sense of he discounted it. So let's move to people who don't discount it. So the ancient alien people, although some of their theories are a little out there, this one does make sense. Um, I mean, you know, there are so many different hybrids throughout history that it would make sense that there is some sort of hybrid system or, or creating machine. I don't know how it works, but it would make sense that there's something out there like that. So in this case, maybe this was a cryptid slash a hybrid that was created maybe at the lab, which we'll talk about later, or maybe somewhere else and it died and it washed up and then the body went missing because something or someone came to collect it. So I wouldn't discount this theory, but I would say that there might be more to it. So that being said, let's move on to case B. It's a misidentification. So it is really interesting that uh, William Wise, who is the Stony Brooks University dude, he says, you know, I think it's a dog, but then goes to discount literally everything, including a dog. Um, and I think that's a, it's a kind of a big thing that scientists want to do because they don't want to seem crazy with quotes or air quotes around that. Um, and so they kind of chalk things up to, uh, we know what it is. 
when really they don't, just like us, they don't know. But in this case, I think we should really focus on the fact that he discounted pretty much everything. But then the guy comes in and says he made his own conclusion about the raccoon and then laid the body on top of like or uh, created the picture on top of the Montauk monster, which I'm sorry, I feel like I could do that with any animal. I could lay it on top of it and then make it so it looks like the same thing. Anyway, the thing that for me that kind of rules out this misidentification is that beak. I mean, I get that Coleman said that the bone could have been shaped by the waves and stuff, but that bone, there was, there was no, at least from the pictures, obviously I didn't see the body. There was no indication of dent, like dentations or any kind of, um, like it was too perfect. It was too perfect a beak to make it seem like it was anything else other than that. So I don't know. I looked at raccoon skeletons and they, they didn't have this beak. I mean, they, like they're, they kind of have something similar, but it's not the same. And with rodents, like, yeah, you know, the two teeth in the front could look like a beak, but this one was a beak, not teeth. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I can personally rule out misidentification, but that's me. Um, so in the Viking burial, which is case C, although a great story and has some weight to it, I just can't get past the fact that it would have had to have either washed up on shore somewhere else and then be released back into the water slash there was no debris found around this body. It was just this body. So I don't know. I feel like maybe, maybe they could have had a Viking funeral around the same time. And then, you know, that one ended up wherever it did. And then this is a whole separate thing and maybe a coincidence, but I don't know. I personally think that I can rule out C because even going a logical way, there would be debris around this animal, plain and simple. Um, so then that comes to KC about Plum Island. And I actually think that this one is very interesting to say the least. Um, now maybe this has to do with, you know, case A or case B, maybe they are experimenting on things. You know, the government hides things from us all the time and whether that's for our own good or, you know, whatnot, but maybe, maybe they are working on, you know, um, a creature that would help during military strikes, or maybe a creature that would help like farmers and agriculture or, uh, you know, a pest killer, who knows what they could be working on. But I think that's really fascinating. Um, now, maybe it's too good to be true. Maybe it's very like Asylum from American Horror Story type thing. Um, and I did read somewhere that this Plum Island was the um, reference for the place in Stranger Things. Although that wasn't like confirmed, but I did read that somewhere. So that was interesting. But I, I really think that Plum Island could play a part in it. Whether that be maybe somebody sent them this animal. Um but the thing, and I think I mentioned this before, that really strikes me as interesting and strange is that there was a tag type thing, or like a leather something around this, this creature's arm. So that, that's not like a normal thing that animals have around. Like nobody, nobody goes around just putting leather straps on raccoons. That doesn't make any sense. So I think that that was somehow an identification system. Or maybe it was someone's pet. I, it just, I don't know. That, to me, is a telltale sign that there is something going on that we don't know and, and we can't figure out. I don't know. Um, 
I have to say I'm really at a loss for this one. Um, and I know you guys are probably tired of hearing me say that, but in this case, I would not rule out a cryptid. And I think I can confidently say I don't think it's a misidentification of a known animal. Maybe a misidentification of another cryptid, but I really think that this is something here. This is this is something bigger than a raccoon. This is something more bird-like than a raccoon. So I don't know. I, I really think it's weird. And I'm sorry I couldn't get anybody for Weird Club, but this was an unorthodox kind of way of doing the podcast. Plus, I don't know, I really liked doing this myself and... Um, kind of thinking of the theories on my own. But that being said, what do you guys think? Is the Montauk monster really out there? We are on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, so make sure to follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on the cryptids we cover and what you'd like to hear next. It would mean a lot to us if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It's a great way for people to find the podcast and enjoy, just like you. One week from today, I will be covering the possibility of real men in black being caught on camera. The case of the Niagara Falls men in black. See you next week. This episode was written and hosted by me, Josh, with logo design by Jason Zykes and theme music from purpleplanet.com.